Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have Dr. Rainier Lenz on the show of the South Holland Group. He is the chief audit executive there. This is a continuation of our series on the Beacon Award winners from 2022. These are the folks that have been recognized by the former IIA president and CEO Richard Chambers as thought leaders in the audit space. Dr. Rainier Lenz has multiple publications, uh, a few of those being The Future of Internal Auditing, Gardener of Governance, which has been read over 23,000 times and will be translated into over 26 languages. The Future Role of the Internal Audit Function, Assure, Build, Consult, with over 9,000 reads and will be translated into eight languages. And then the one that kind of drives his professional purpose or his why, insights into the effectiveness of internal audit, a multi-method and multi-perspective study. I don't know about you, the listeners, but you know, when I would read papers like this, um, I'd always hope to see a summary that would basically go, here's the findings, this is what in what's important, and this is how you can actually do something about it. That was pre-chat GPT, where we can use that type of tool to help us get those answers. But what we want to do is basically sit down and go, okay, look, you got these three papers that you've written. They've been read and translated the world over to do that level of research. It's not like, hey, I'm just going to sit here and watch YouTube videos for a while and then write a paper and go, yep, there's my research. There's a significantly more that goes into the uh, areas that we're talking about. And so that was the bulk of the show. Hey, for each one of these, tell us what we can actually do. Like what's an actionable takeaway from all of this research that you've done throughout your career. And then we also wanna talk about what kind of audit department he would build from scratch. And then the number one problem that he's discussing with the CAE peers. Here we go. All right, so I know since 2007, uh, your professional purpose, the, your your why um, has been to make internal audit more effective. So what is a, in, in all the study, the research, everything you've done over the years, what is from, from that, uh, what is the most impactful, what's an actionable takeaway that the listeners can apply to their audit role to actually be more effective? Well, thanks Trent uh, for the invite. And thanks for the opportunity to discuss with you. I would boil that down um, to the slogan, there is nothing as practical as a good theory. And uh, I see much value in the theory from Professor Jody Hofer-Gittel. She's from uh, Brandeis University's Heller School in Boston. And she came up with the relational coordination theory. And uh, I have applied that theory, I think, implicitly throughout my career in internal auditing. What does it say? Um, it puts emphasis on uh, three elements, and they are shared goals, shared knowledge, and mutual respect. And if you put this into action in your given context with the board, with management, 
and that you've come a long way. And um, the fourth notion is communication. And um, once you have frequent and timely communication, problem-solving minded, I think you're on a good path to an effective internal audit. Now, I mean, for those interested in this topic, um, I spoke about that in my PhD thesis and the, the work is continuing, so I keep learning on that. Um, I think it's worthwhile um, pursuing that path. So I'm working with Professor Jody on uh, further insights. I think that theory is a good base, you know, to um, give direction how this could look like. Okay. Is there a protocol that we could follow? Uh, it seems like goals would be relatively easy to share those goals uh, and, and get on the same page there. Communication, there's various strategies, especially with folks being more remote now than ever. Uh, but there's plenty of communication strategies out there. Respect, I feel like, is one of those where it's earned, not given. And so I feel like through the sharing of goals and knowledge and the way we communicate those, we can earn that respect. But knowledge is the one that it's kind of sticking out to me within internal audit. Is that a is that just kind of naturally kind of baked in, you feel like, to the audit process whereby we share the results of an audit or or insights from uh, or to the board, or, or could you speak a little bit more to how we could uh, share the knowledge piece? So what I think is, is helpful in my practice of um, uh, sharing a, a governance risk compliance roundtable, to say so. Yeah. So internal auditors could uh, orchestrate that process of having all you know assurance providers at the table, legal, compliance, tax, IT, ESG, you name it. And that way to um, heighten the common knowledge because everybody works in his or her silo. And into an audience could be um, the faculty you know, orchestrating shared knowledge. Yeah. That's one way of achieving that. But ultimately, it's worthwhile trying to get um, a connection with your senior management. I mean, that they have an interest in speaking with you, that they have an interest in spending time with you. Because the more you know what's on their plate, the higher your chances are you have an understanding what truly matters in your given organization. There's a common theme here for uh, the, the listeners that I, I don't want to seem like we're asking the same question. Effectively, we are, but there's kind of been three major, it seems like, areas of research for you. So um, the effectiveness of internal audit being one, the other being um, the piece that you wrote on the future of internal, called the future of internal auditing, Gardner of Governance, which has been read over 24,000 times, translated in 26 languages. And then the other being the future role of internal audit function, Assure, Build, Consult. And we've linked to all three of those in the show notes for those that want to uh, take a deeper dive into it. But I'm just curious, and we talked about this kind of off the air, but from those three, I'm curious for each one, and we'll hit on the next two, the, again, actionable, practical, like what takeaways can we take from what all the research that you've done and apply to maybe our, our day-to-day. And so I'm going to hit you with basically the same question. So from the future of internal auditing, Gardner of Governance, what is, again, an actionable takeaway from all the research that you've done, from everything that you've learned that you can go, hey, listeners, from what I've learned, this is what you can now do based on my research. So what would you say, same question, for the future of internal auditing, Gardner of Governance? Whatever I might have said in the past, trend. It's, it's about the same question. It's about um, how does good look like? 
how does effective internal audit look like? And uh, I might have um, thought about that on a micro and macro level. So on, as a head of internal audit in, a, in an audit function, and uh, if you lift your head for the profession, but yeah. it's, it's the one question, how does effective, how does good look like? And I'm talking about that uh, with different, different articles, different metaphors now. Let's t touch upon this garden of governance um, article. And here I think uh, it's worthwhile for any practitioner to clarify his or her professional purpose, his or her why, in the given organization. And as we all know, I mean, stakeholders, they question the value of internal auditing. And that's quite understandably, because internal audit is uh, very heterogeneous. It means uh, different things to different people at different times. Mm. Uh, images and positioning do vary a lot in practice. So we are a profession, and I'm part of that profession uh, with great pleasure. We're still searching for our heartland, for our core, for our USP. And uh, that's why we suggest garden of governance as a light motif for internal auditing. Why governance? Why gardening? Well, governance, in my understanding, is, is an umbrella term. It's much more than this acronym ESG uh, suggests. It's much more than the third letter of this acronym. It's uh, like the, the Cadbury definition from 1992. It's the system by which companies are directed and controlled. That's a nice, a nice definition. And if you think about that, I mean, performance, risks, and controls are all intertwined. Sometimes we think about those matters, you know, piece by piece, but we have to think them holistically. That's why my house of governance has performance on the top floor. You know, all organizations pursue targets, financially, non-financial targets, and so forth. So performance is on the top floor. I view risk management uh, as a hinge, as a connector on, on the middle floor. And my, that floor has rooms for environment, for social, for tax, for other matters. And the foundation, the basement, is about uh, you know, ABC, I call it attitude, behavior, culture. And here is, I think, where internal audit can play a huge role. We can strengthen the mindset. We can strengthen uh, the foundation of organizations. That's why I talk about gardening. It's, it's a bit softer language in contrast to guardian, because I think to have a, a lasting impact, um, that metaphor is helpful when you seek to strengthen the mindset, the foundation of organizations, because it's about nature in a way, something you cannot really influence and a lot about nurture, and that has to do with uh, caring, protecting, nourishing, and support. So I see value in that metaphor and the idea of garden of governance to make a lasting impact as an internal auditor in your given organization. All right, I really like the way you describe governance, and so I want to ask you directly your definition of governance, how you describe governance, because I feel like it's relative, like it's not, there's concrete ways to go about governance, of course, but I, I feel like for a lot of people, governance is kind of abstract. And so what, what is governance? I still like this, this brief definition from, from Cadbury. This goes uh, 30 years back and the Cadbury committee at the time defined governance as the system by which companies are directed and controlled. And that's um, a very broad definition, but I like it because it's so brief, it's short, and uh, it's the overarching topic. So in a way, ESG is a, a, a misguiding 
uh, acronym, I would see G on top and I have E and S underneath. So that's why I would like to direct the profession towards governance as the umbrella term. And yeah. gardening is about the, the how-to. It's not about controlling or guarding people, having people to do a better job, you know, supporting them in what they do, have an understanding of their given context and listening truly well what they are dealing with, you know. So uh, that's why the softer, more humble positioning of gardening, of governance. All right, so you mentioned one ABC in that attitude, behavior, and culture, uh, which, uh, and then you have another ABC acronym around assure, build, and consult. And this is from your piece, the future role of internal audit function. Again, assure, build, consult. And so from that, what is, that's, that's kind of the third major area that I wanted to hit on from your research. So what, again, practical takeaway, actionable takeaway from that piece? Yeah, th thanks, Trent. I mean, what's known as uh, this assure and consult piece. We know it is called the consult piece, possibly um, advice. And um, in this article, we suggest widening the repertoire of internal audit. This might be a bridge too far for many, yeah. fair enough, I know. But we suggest adding build, you know, to make this ABC acronym work. So basically doing stuff as a third pillar of what internal auditors can do. So add build to assure and consult or advice. Uh, I'm really of the opinion that there is much more internal audit can do. So we suggest a pragmatic approach. Again, I'm talking on the basis of experience in the industry. So I'm not talking about uh, the banking or financial services um, context. And in, in my context, there can be situations where internal auditors can actually do stuff. So yeah. become co-creators. So not uh, just talking about things, but really helping uh, to create things. And ESG is an example. Now. In that article, we distinguish the managing and the pioneering zone as an important difference. In the managing zone, we deal with simple and complicated matters. And here you have one right answer. So think of the P2P process, procure to pay, audit or cash process. We have a happy path, a best practice, you know, fine to go for that. And typically, we have been good at dealing with what I call complicatedness. So we could, you know, shed light on things that deserve being sorted. So dealing with what is type of questions. Uh, when consulting, which most internal audit functions are doing, we are also addressing the so what question. So what do we do with this next Monday morning? Right. That's all fine. That's all good. But I think time is ripe to upskill, to aim higher, to do more, because when you think about it, the most demanding questions are in this pioneering zone, where there is no one right answer. In this pioneering zone, we deal with, you know, complex and chaotic contexts. And here, as I said, you do not have the one right answer. That puts, of course, questions towards objectivity. That's another debate, I would say. Now, we suggest playing a bigger role in that pioneering zone so think, for instance, of when companies buy companies and integrate companies or roll out of a, an ERP program. And in that zone, we're typically dealing with what if type of questions. And I would like to 
like internal auditors to deal more with this what if type of questions with scenarios instead of with um, with a more simple and just complicated context. Now, the article references ESG as an example. There are other examples. Now, in my own practice, I have two examples where I go beyond the standard turf of internal auditors with all the safeguards required, you know. One is uh, building an internal control system or co-creating it. And the other one is uh, leading a global networking capital initiative, securing liquidity, which was of um, super importance for the company at some point in time. So what I'm saying is, let's maybe free what we do from legacy, from perceived chains, and to see how we best can serve the organization we work for. And uh, I think that deserves for the thinking. And this article is just the beginning of that debate. It's some food for thought, I hope. Thank you. And I'm sure because of the research, you probably get asked questions about those all the time. And so you're probably like, all right, I've probably answered this same question 15,000 times already uh, based on the three areas that we talked about earlier. So I do want to hit on something a little bit different. And especially for the folks like yourself that have a lot of experience, CAE experience, et cetera, if you had all the resources, how would you build an audit department from scratch? And if you want to use any given industry or company as the way to do that, because it might you might structure it differently depending on the industry uh, location, you know, whatever the case may be. But how would you build that? What kind of people would you hire? What would their backgrounds be? Their, their competency? Would it be more IT audit heavy? Would it be uh, a strong uh, data competencies within that, or would it be more uh, accounting folk heavy? And then also, of course, we're always interested in tools. People love talking about tools and tech. So any uh, technology piece that you would build in there also, how would you, you, you have all the resources you could ever want, build it however you want, what would that look like? Well, I like your ambition for having a, a gold <laughs> and a magic formula um, trend. I will keep looking for that one, you know, so uh, I have a few elements I'm happily sharing with you. And um, the first thing, of course, is um, given we are in the human-to-human -human business, that's how I view it. So we are no robots, neither are our peers nor our clients. It's it's the, the person that you're working with which, uh, who is most important. So I, that's one thing I, I do not do, I start with that. I do not hire what I call gotcha type of auditors. So I'm not working with people who get carried away of finding errors in what other people are trying to accomplish. I look for people who display empathy, first of all. Now, maybe you recall uh, Warren Buffett's top three criteria when selecting stuff. You know, he's going for intelligence, energy, and integrity. And all three are obviously important. If I had to pick my top three, I would choose empathy to start with, business acumen, and also integrity. Now, you will note um, that independence and objectivity are not among my top three attributes of the effective internal auditor. Now, that's maybe a good question for you and our listeners, uh, Trent. If you had to choose three attributes, three characteristics of the effective internal auditor, three only, what are your top three? You're asking me now? Well, think about it first, I guess. Perfect. Thank one you. More, one more, yeah, one more piece. Spot. 
So regarding yeah. tech technology, um, there is plenty of unexplored potential and we must leverage technology better, especially in what I call the managing zone. I see much value in process mining, but uh, you have the right order, people first, tech then, you know. Perfect. Uh, I've got two that I can think of. And so business acumen, one, and I've said this so many times, I feel like recently, I asked a very experienced um, auditor, been around whatever, 35 years. Uh, the question, do you think audit, is, is it more important to know audit or to know the business? And again, without blinking, she said, know the business. And I thought, sure, sure. Life, like, did, didn't even think about it. Didn't even go, uh, let me see, uh, auditing is important, but, but I mean, immediately said the business. And so business acumen is a big one for me. And I know curiosity is another big one for me, especially in tech and in the data world that I live in. You have to be curious. It changes yeah. weekly, you know? Um, and so if you're not willing to be curious about what's the next new thing that I need to learn. Um, and so maybe learning would be the the third one for me. That's always been a, if, if for those that have ever taken strength finders, learner, has always been my uh, in my top three uh, over the years that I've taken it. And so I think those would be my yeah. top three. But I think that's a great question for everyone as almost, if nothing else, uh, from the other takeaways you've given is, especially if you're in a hiring position to go, okay, what are the three qualities that I would look for? And then right. I think the next question would be, what questions can you ask during the hiring process to be able to tease out, does that person have those qualities? So last thing, what is the, and maybe it's ESG, it sounds like potentially, but from your network of CAEs, the folks that you talk to, what's the number one problem that, that you all have been discussing? I choose to uh, reference two subject matters. One is the new or forthcoming global internal audit standards, which have been subject for a lot of discussion. Now, I prefer a less prescriptive version of that. Yeah. So in my view, less is more. So I prefer prefer much shorter standards when there's nothing left to take away, basically. But that deserves a different discussion, I suppose. And uh, to add, I can live with any standard. I mean, I, I will find my way. And uh, I like uh, the quote, which is also a guiding principle, only practice contains all theory. So hey. whatever the standards will say, Practice will always be ahead of the game, you know. Um, so, and then uh, I was talking with, with Benito at the time when we were in Amsterdam also. Hey, whatever, whatever way we are going now, you know, let's see how far this takes us and we can adjust, change, amend on the way forward. So let's don't become stiff or stubborn or too rigid with this, you know. Let's, let's don't lose our, our coolness in that the debate and let's see where the discussion is going. We'll adapt, we'll handle this and... Um, that's one thing for sure. There's nothing as constant as change. Now, the other topic I wanted to touch upon is independence and objectivity. Touched upon that before. In my humble opinion, Trent, I think both you know, um, claims deserve further discussion and reflection. I'd suggest de-emphasizing both. So if you had to choose three attributes, three qualities, I wouldn't pick any of those two that might, might give you a flavor how important it is. It is important in a way, but there are other things more important than that. And if you compare this with other external audit, if you ask the average man or the average board member, the average senior manager, whom do you think, who, who do you think they believe is more independent, external or internal audit? 
So if we as a profession want to emancipate ourselves, want to stand tall, grow up, is it wise to fight on the independence turf? Or are there other arenas where we are so much better than external audit? So some food for thought, but it's another debate. But you got an idea about my opinion. So those two issues, the standards, and those two notions are always a good arena for discussions. Last question. Any topic you want, it's totally yours. The first, what, four or five, however many questions we've hit on so far are basically questions uh, I wanted to hear from you personally and that I felt like the audience would get a lot of value out of. But it, this is your time. If you got a soapbox, you want to jump on that soapbox and just start ripping apart, that's totally fine also. But what do you want to leave the audience with as we close out? I think we will leave the, the soapbox uh, for a one-on-one -on -one session, Trent. Uh, we'll yeah. meet over a beer so. Perfect. All drinks on me next time we meet, you know, hopefully before too long. Holding you to now, that. That's the... on the recording, so I'm going to hold you to that. We have it recorded. <laughs> uh, you, can, you can, you can, you know. In the profession, now, we have been talking much about assurance, advice, and insights. Now, g given my purpose, my professional purpose about effectiveness, no surprise to you that I actually would, you know, advocate much more the notion of impact. So what is the, the impact of what we do? And um, I think I would emphasize this going forward much stronger. Um, there are different types of internal auditors out there. And if you want to be effective and impactful, my number one recommendation for internal auditors is treat people with kindness. Trent, it's a great song from Harry Styles. I'm saying that because... Um, we have not walked a single day in the shoes of our clients. We have no idea what people go through at the other end of the table. So be very careful, very respectful, and treat people with kindness. Of course, have also your professional interest in understanding what they're doing. But that's why one, my one lotion, hashtag TPWK. Now, and I believe the metaphor garden of governance can be helpful for the internal audit profession and for the internal auditor as a person on that journey to become more effective in practice. To consider, the jury is out. Thanks I for do, the invite again. I do have a follow-up question, and we Look. rarely do this. Usually it's whatever the, la the, you know, the guest says last, we let it fade out, but I have to ask. Um, so I've got a five-year-old, his favorite song is Watermelon Sugar, which I believe is a Harry Styles song. You mentioned a Harry Styles song. What was the song you were referencing? Uh, Treat People With Kindness. That's what it's actually called. Perfect. That's going in the playlist for the kid. It's from 2019. And I'm, 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 I was on his, on his concerts twice, once in Hamburg and once in my hometown, Frankfurt. It's amazing, you know, um, how he captures the audience. And so uh, I've been enjoying every single minute with the guy. Uh, I, you know, I colored my nails, you know, um, to show my my um, my um, sympathy, my 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 appreciation. And um, so, in a way, be be who you are. You know, come as you wish to come. Don't judge. You know, don't be an asshole. Trent, you know, that's a good start for auditors. 
Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.